Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is Pastor Deborah Malik. So when we look at missions and tongues and tribes, you know, we're talking about all kinds of nations of the world that we have the opportunity to be sent to, if we're willing to. And I don't know how much of us are always willing, including me. You know, I'm a creature that likes comfort. You know, I like to turn on the water and have hot water when I shower and hot water when I need it. And, and if I go on the mission field, that might not always happen. And, you know, there's different things, the technology thing. Imagine being without technology. Like, that's something in my day every single day. So those are just little kind of silly things. <laughs> but how many people are willing to be sent? You know, I think of the Hispanic church that we have. Do you know those people, the Silvas, have come to us from Brazil? They're missionaries to the United States. We need missionaries. We need people reaching people. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for giving up, sacrificing your comforts of home to be here for all of us. If you know Spanish-speaking people, that's an awesome opportunity for you to send them to, that, to the church that happens on Saturdays. And it's changing to Sundays, the end of November. So this month, we talked about salt and light. We talked about praying. Last week, Pastor Matt did an amazing message because, you know, he is my favorite pastor. So look him up online. <laughs> Um, but the message on praying was so good. And again, we want to encourage you. On Tuesday nights, we have prayer here from 6 to 7. It's one hour, but it's an hour of power. It really is. It's a, a time for you to connect with the heart of God. And then today we're talking about sending. Isaiah 6, 8, in the New International Version, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Like those are really intense words. When we ask God to use us, do we really mean that? Or do we mean it if it's within our time frame? You know, we have Mondays off, like don't ever call me on a Monday. Like we can't control when things happen in people's lives, right? When we're sent, we're always sent. We're always making ourselves available. And so it's remembering those things. Are we really there for people? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time that we have together today. And Lord, I ask that you use this message to penetrate all of our hearts. Lord, you know the people around us. You know who you want us to talk to. And God, we ask that you send people in our path that we're able to share your love with. In Jesus' name, as we hear and receive today, whatever's for us, God, let it be part of our future. And what's not, we just ask that you help us to put it on a shelf until we pull it away, pull it to ourselves for the right time. In Jesus' name. You know, Pastor Matt started out this year and he had two areas that he wanted us to focus on. One was the meaning of life. So why are you here? What's your purpose? 
How does God want to use you in other people's lives? What do you want to accomplish on this earth? The other thing was multiplication. And multiplication means that when we look around us, there's some empty chairs, right? So that means there are more people that we can be reaching. There's more people that we can invite to a church that might not be so traditional (laughs) to give them another experience of being able to receive God's love through the music, through the word that's spoken, through the time at the end of service when we pray for people. So you have the opportunity to bring multiplication, and not just in numbers at church, but in your life. How do we expand who we are? We can multiply what we know about Jesus through his word, through spending time in prayer. It's multiplying in a lot of areas in our lives. I believe that the charge that Pastor Matt gave us at the beginning of the year and has been throughout the year is something that we need to grab hold of. And really ask God, what does that mean for me? What does multiplication mean for me? If you work someplace where there aren't Christians around you, there aren't people that know Jesus, do they even know that you know Jesus? Do they even know that there's something different about you? Do they know that you walk with a peace and a grace because Jesus has changed your life? You know, um, I'm always kind of amazed when I first received Jesus into my life. I was raised in a denominational church, and we went to church every Sunday, and we left church every Sunday, and you'd say hi to a few people, but there wasn't anything like small groups, you know, that you could get involved in, that you could get to know people. And, you know, for me, um, I left church feeling empty. I left church feeling like there really wasn't a change. I just was doing something that my parents always did, and that's what we do. Until I met a lady, and this lady told me, um, oh, she just was different. You know, I worked with her, and, and she was kind. You know, she wasn't, she was helpful. Like, there were a lot of things about her that I thought, wow, that lady is so nice. And then she started telling me about, um, well, I had a friend who thought he was dying. And so he wanted to go to church. And I said, well, I'll go to church with you. And so I told him about my church. And he said, no, I don't want to go to that kind of church. I want to go to a church that is non-denominational. He had been in the Navy and had been to a church like that. And that's the kind of church he wanted to go to. Well, lo and behold, this lady that was so nice that worked with me went to a non-denominational church. And this was that church. (laughs) And so I came to this church, and what really, really spoke to my heart is I felt like these people really love Jesus, like they really love him. Like when music is happening, people are raising their hands, and for me at that time, I thought, so like they love God, and they raise their hands to worship God, and I would feel so uncomfortable doing that. And so I thought, do I really love God? Do I love him enough to surrender? I didn't know what that was. I never saw that in action before. And so for me, it was different. It was totally different than the way I was raised. But it challenged my heart and challenged my thinking. 
So we have small groups like we talked about. And, and on Wednesday night, Pastor Matt and I lead the best small group that happens at Refuge. And all the other small group leaders would beg to differ with me, right? <laughs> or people that attend them. So we asked in our small group how old people were when they first heard or their first memory of somebody telling them or them finding out about Jesus or when the gospel, which is the plan of salvation, was shared with them. And there were 17 people that night. And of the 17 people, 11 of those people were under 18 years old. So do we wonder if we want our children served in children's ministry? I think so. Do we wonder, wonder if we want our youth, our teenagers, to learn about Jesus in those formative years? I think so. Because of, for a lot of those people, it might have been the first time they heard about Jesus, but when he really became part of their lives, for several of them, it was later on. And then again, with those people, six of them were over 18 and only two of them were over 30. So think about what we do in church. Think about our heart here at Refuge to empower and, and to help the next generation know about the Lord. You know, I believe that's the heart of God. Because if we're not sharing it with them, how are they going to know? They need to be invited, though, and that's your part. When the first time that I heard was um, years ago, and it was a television show called The Lundstroms. And so Lowell Lundstrom and his family had this music television program, and I was a, probably, I don't know, probably about 10 or 12 years old or something like that. And I remember being like, oh, it was a whole family that sang, and I thought, it's so cute, those cute little kids singing those Jesus Loves Me songs. You know, that just was all so cute. But as the message went on, it grabbed my heart. And I was like, that, that Jesus they're talking about is pretty awesome. I want that Jesus in my life. And so, guess what? At the end of the show, they had that you could order one of their albums. Those were the albums days, guys. And I know albums are cool now, so... But back then, I got one of those albums. <laughs> and so I was able to hear all those Jesus songs in my own home. And I believe those are the beginning seeds that were planted in my heart that showed me a different Jesus than I was exposed to. Mark 16, 15, in the New Living Translation, it says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Again, it's remembering who did God send you to. And I want you to think about that. Like, seriously. <laughs> I want you to think about the people that you have interaction with day to day. And who are people around you that you think, I, I know they don't know Jesus. I know that I can be love to them. I know that I can be kindness to them. So who are those people? You know, we live in a day where um, lots of things are sent to us. If you're an Amazon shopper person, which I love Amazon, 
And I know that's not good for small businesses and all that kind of stuff, but you get it in two days. So, you know, there's just something about that. Instead of sending my husband to the store, you know, <laughs> he loves it too, right? Right. <laughs> but anyway, you know, when I pay for that and I hit the send button and the money is going to them, I expect that I'm going to get a package in the mail, right? And, you know, in this day and age, we can even track when it was shipped and when it, what every stop it had along the way and when it's going to get to our house. Do you think maybe Jesus might be that detailed with us in our lives? Do you think that way back when, when I first heard those Lundstrom singers, that that was a seed that was planted in my heart? And then I had a high school CCD teacher who I thought was flipping out one day. <laughs> we just went to CCD on a Wednesday night, and she started telling us about this encounter she had with Jesus. And I thought, you have an encounter every time you go to church. Like, what are you talking about? But she said, you know, I've been sitting in front of this classroom every week, and I've been telling you about this Jesus that I never really knew. And she was in tears. <laughs> And she said, I've been doing you a disservice because I met that Jesus. And even though then I thought, this woman is crazy, like I really did, <laughs> it made an impact in my life. It was another seed planted. And then I worked someplace. I worked with these ladies, and I was a CNA at a nursing home. And these ladies, you know, never wore makeup, and they always wore dress. This Jesus again. <laughs> And then they would give me these little things and tell me about how I was an alcoholic. And, you know, I needed to read this stuff because, and I'm like, I was not an alcoholic. Like, really? I wasn't an alcoholic. <laughs> but I did drink. And so that was their way of trying to reach me. But honestly, it really turned me off. Because all I felt like they were doing is judging me. I never heard about God's love from them. But I did hear about his judgment. But you know what? It got me thinking. <laughs> so it was another seed planted. Until that day that I came to Good News Fellowship Church, and I saw these people in this room. It was a different place, but it was the same church. <laughs> that really loved Jesus. And I thought, you know what? I want that for my life. I have voids in my life, and I'm trying to fill it with other things but I want that love. So all those packages that Jesus sent until I received it. Isn't that awesome? And you can all tell me stories. We could, I could say with each one of you, and you could tell me the story about when Jesus sent somebody to your life and you received him. And if you haven't, today is your day because you're here for a reason. You know, I, I, um, a few years back, we were at this port, and there were these big container ships, you know, those big barges with those huge containers that are like um, the railroad car kinds of containers, and, it, and they were being shipped, and, and they were like, you know, four, five, six high, and like this huge barge full of them. And I remember thinking, whatever happens when things don't make it from their, to their destination from those big railroad cars, 
you know, that's a lot of trust, isn't it? <laughs> you put something, you know, through all the systems into those railroad cars and it reaches its destination. We hope it reaches its destination. Something that I, I found out is that there are approximately 130 million containers packed with cargo with an estimated value of more than $4 trillion. And that was just in 2016. That's a lot of containers that are being shipped. That's a lot of goods. That's a lot of people trusting in something happening that they're not sure if it will. <laughs> and um, it is true that some of those packages don't make it to their destination. In 2014, um, yeah, in the year 2013, there was actually one ship that had 4,293 containers on board, and it was lost at sea. So think about what kinds of goods were in those containers that never made it to its destination. At any point in time, there are 6,000 ships, containers, or carrying containers throughout the world. Like, this is just good information for you to know, so now you know. <laughs> My point in it is that they're either going to make it to their destination or they're not. And my point in that is you're either obeying God when he wants you to make it to a destination, to a place he's sending you, or you're not. And I haven't always been obedient. <laughs> you know, I've had those times of nudges when, oh, I should go talk to them. But I don't. But I've had times that I've had those nudges, and I, I have. One time, um, I was at an appointment with my mom, and um, another lady had come there for an appointment, and she was having a CT scan, and it was an oncology department. And so I know why she was there. <laughs> And mom was in getting her work done, and, and I was sitting there waiting, and that lady was across from me, and God kept, I kept feeling that prompting, like, I'm supposed to talk to this lady. I'm like, I don't want to talk to this lady, <laughs> but you should talk to that lady. And so um, it was right before I was going to leave that I thought I need to talk to this lady. And I went over to her and I said, I don't know why you're here or what's going on in your life, but I really feel like I'm supposed to pray for you and just pray for peace for you. And I put my hand on her, and as soon as I did, she wept. And she just wept. And I thought, you know, I, God used me to help bring peace <laughs> to somebody's life. And I don't know the result of that day, but I know that she received peace. And I just know that we all have that on the inside of us. I'm nobody special, but I love Jesus, and I know him, and I know his peace. So think about, God, who are you sending me to? The other thing Pastor Matt talked about is the meaning of life, and what is the meaning of life? You know, I just think in this day and age, and the day and age when I was a teenager, <laughs> life was confused. <laughs> the meaning of life was confused. The philosophical definition of truth is that truth is an individual's perception of what truth is. And it depends on what you believe 
For that reason, truth differentiates among individuals through their contrasting opinions. So truth is really based in, on opinion in the eyes of the world of philosophy. And that's where I beg to differ because I know truth. And I know truth in, in the eyes of philosophy, but I know truth because I've experienced truth. I've experienced wholeness. I've experienced the fullness of God's peace. Again, when we think about culture and we think about changing things up and we think about how we don't do church like we did it 30 years ago, but if we really want to reach that age group of people, those people that are under 18 years old, we really want to be relevant to where they are in life. There's, you know, you hear about millennials and you hear about baby boomers and all that kind of stuff. And so before baby boomers, there's elders. And those are people born before 1946. Baby boomers are 1946 to 1964. Gen X were born 1965 to 1983. Millennials were born 1984 to 1998. And Gen Z were born 1999 to 2015. So those Gen Z are like 18, 19 years old on down. And do you know that um, Barna is a research group? And they said that for Gen Z, what's most important to them is personal achievement, whether educational or professional. Hobbies and pastimes, are more central to Gen Z's, which makes sense because a lot of them are teenagers yet, right? <laughs> and family background is the last thing. It's um, not as important to them. It's the first generation that family wasn't the most important thing. And that's really sad to me <laughs> because family needs to be central to who we are. And I think we're who can help change that because it's not too late. Remember, some of those kids are only a couple years old. And why it's not important to them is because we haven't modeled it to them. Family hasn't been important to us. And what have, what have we modeled to them? Mom does this, dad does this. If they stay together, you know how long do marriages last? People think 50% of marriages fail in divorce which isn't really true because they're not counting all the people that are still married. And so there are a lot of married people on the earth <laughs> or in the United States is really what I'm talking about. But let's model family. That's a positive thing so that people want positive things when it comes again to Jesus. Is the Jesus that's in us the Jesus that people are attracted to? There's something called lifestyle evangelism. And what that is is this guy, and um, he came up with this whole curriculum on how we can live Jesus in front of people. And there was a story about this lady named Linda. And she was married to a dental student, and he was in his last semester of, of college, and they were planning their future, and, you know, they were... Um, you know, going to buy a house. They were doing all these things that they were planning to do. And, and then there was a day that Linda's husband 
came to him and came to her and said, I'm just not interested in being married anymore. And so Linda's life was shattered. She didn't have anybody that she could talk to. And so she ended up talking to her building manager, who happened to be the people that created this whole lifestyle evangelism thing. And the lady's name was Ruth, the building manager's wife. And Linda started sharing her heart, and Ruth listened. Ruth didn't say, you know what, I really don't have time today. You know, I have to do this at this time and this at this time. And Ruth listened. And she would invite her for dinner. They would buy groceries for her. They would help her any way they can, they could. And they invited her into their world. They loved her with the love of God. They didn't preach at her. They didn't say, you know, if Jesus isn't in your heart and if you haven't said this prayer, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell and blah, blah, blah. They lived love. (laughs) And, you know, I, I love that kind of thing. It's really, you know, the coin phrase, let's do life together. That's doing life together. That's giving life to people. We should never be so busy that when there's hurting people around us, We aren't willing to take time out of our busy schedule to help them, to be there for them, just to be a listening ear. We have to think about what's holding us back. John 20, 21, in the NIV, it says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you. So he's sending you. He's sending all of us. But are we listening? You know, this week um, was kind of an interesting week because um, I learned people close to us. There's a 15-year-old, a lady that we know whose daughter um, died a tragic death this week. And then there's a guy that lived with us. His name is Ricky. He's a Chinese student. His name is really Han Feng, but we called him Ricky. (laughs) And he lived with us for about three and a half years. And he contacted us yesterday. And his best friend from college, he's going to Penn State, his best friend was killed in a car accident. He was 21 years old. That happened yesterday. And you know, Ricky wasn't raised with Jesus. But Jesus lived around him for three and a half years. And you all lived around Ricky. Those of you that were here when he was here, (laughs) you lived around Ricky for three and a half years. And he contacted us and he asked us to pray. You know, this was somebody who didn't believe in Jesus at all, but he called and asked for prayer. And you know, our first thing was, do you want us to come to you, Ricky? Because then I wouldn't have to preach today. (laughs) No. (laughs) That is not the truth, and I don't want it to... But I did think, if we went, who would? (laughs) So, um, but in my heart, I just thought, you know, we've loved that boy, and that boy's loved us, and you've loved that boy. And even though he never grew up with Jesus, like I said, he lived around Jesus, and we were able to pray with him. And he said, I just needed somebody to talk to. You know, I thank God that we were those people in his life. But you're that person in somebody's life. 
Think about who that person is. Because you're going to leave here today with a challenge. Because I'm good at that. Because I'm a mom. And that's what moms are good at. (laughs) But I'm also a child of God who wants to obey his word. We have to be intentional about reaching the people around us. It's not convenient, and you can't be selfish. Leading a small group, you know what? That's a lot of work. (laughs) You plan, you prepare, but it's so much fun. You get to connect with people. You get to know people on a personal level. You get to invite people who might not ever want to come to church, but it's a small group setting, so it feels safe. 1 Corinthians 1.17, it says, God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. You know, again, in church, we've gotten really good at Christianese. Our praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. Are we the righteousness of Christ? We're redeemed by the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony and all these kinds of things, which is absolutely true. Every bit of it is true. But if I'm a brand new person who has never heard about Jesus and you're talking to me about that stuff, I'll be like, what in the world are you talking about? It's another language. (laughs) And it's okay to talk that way with people who know that language. But are we making a difference in talking just God's love to people who don't know that Christianese? (laughs) You know, again, it's thinking about somebody other than ourselves. I think that um, God's plan of multiplication Again, look around, and there's empty chairs in here. God wants somebody sitting in those chairs. And, you know, maybe it's not in this church. There's a lot of other churches in this community. But Jesus is knocking on the heart of our doors, or door of our hearts, (laughs) so that we'll answer. Answer to open up and let him in. Answer to obey that call to go to Africa with Pastor Matt or go on missions trips or serve at the Salvation Army here in town to help your neighbor lady, to help people around us. That's what Jesus is doing. But are we really listening? The parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18, 12, in the New Living Translation It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. And that's referring to... Again, to children, further up in in those verses, it talks about the children coming to Jesus. You know, if you're somebody who serves children, like, do not take lightly what you're doing. 
If you're a mom, dad that has children, do not take lightly what you're doing because you're planting seeds. You're giving them a little bit of Jesus at a time. And don't take that for granted. And don't think it's not your responsibility. Don't think you send them to Sunday school, refuge kids, wherever, and they're going to get that Jesus because it's your job to teach your children. You have nieces and nephews. Maybe you don't have your own children. You know, um, something really awesome is not actually last weekend. <laughs> I spent some time with some people um, that are getting married and happens to be my step-niece. And she talked to us about when she was 10 years old and she remembers me praying with her sitting on my bed <laughs> at 10 years old to receive Jesus. And, you know, she wants to get married here at Refuge, and she said, because this is where it started for me. This is where my walk with God started. And I think that's so awesome. <laughs> but how many of you has God used to plant those seeds and for there to be a change in the heart of someone? Again, if you work someplace that isn't around a bunch of Christians, do they know that you know God's love? that you know God's peace. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus spent time with prostitutes. Jesus spent time with people that nobody wanted him to spend time with, including children. But you know, Jesus goes to the least of these. He came to me. Jesus came to each one of you and he wants to continue to use you in the lives of other people. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. With your eyes closed, I just ask God that you look into our hearts And if there's anybody here today that doesn't know God in a personal way, that couldn't share his love with others, his peace with others, because you don't have it yourself. I just ask that you raise your hand and let this be the day that God sees that you're stepping into eternity, that this day is your forever with him that you're not turning back. Thank you. Thank you. Father, our hearts have been moved here today and challenged because we want more of you in our lives. We want to know you closer and deeper. And as we sing this song today, God, I thank you that you reached out for us, that just... You left the 99 and came to us. And I thank you, God, that as we receive your peace today, that you continue to move in our lives and use us. Let us listen to your voice and use us in the lives of other people. In Jesus' name. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.